You know, Jackie, kalokohan lang naman yung mga trustful na yun eh. Like, I don't believe that it does anything to help me feel better about my office mates. Well, yeah, that's warranted, I guess, based on your own experience. But there can be some activities like a trust fall where they would be meaningful and helpful to some teams. We've seen some of that. Kailangan mo ba ng mas makabuluhang chismisan sa pantry? Listen to more conversations about work, both hot takes and thoughtful takes with me, Carl Javier, and Jackie Caniza on The Imaginable Workplace. Check it out on Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Bella Perez Rubio, Puma Podcast, and you're listening to Teka Teka News. Balitang thinking, hindi breaking. In this episode, it's better in a way um racial tensions are not as pronounced they're not being reported in media um it's not um you don't hear it often on the street much compared to the start of covid when people on the street just kept blaming oh it's the china virus right racism against chinese filipinos seems to have eased along with the pandemic But why does it keep boiling over every so often? Racial issues are always tied to political issues, societal issues, economic issues, and and that's born, that's evidence-based throughout history. Um, anytime you have a political problem, anytime that you have a economic problem, it's compounded if there is a racial element included into it. That's Maya Angsi. She's the director of Bahay Chinoy, the heritage center founded by Kaisa para sa Kaunlaran, a Chinese-Filipino advocacy group. A hundred years ago, we had a Southeast Asian rice crisis. It wasn't Philippines only. It was Southeast Asia. But of course, the news back then, you know, Southeast Asian news doesn't go around. But it was a Southeast Asian import-export production problem. But because here in the Philippines, the rice traders are Chinese uh, nationals, are Chinese migrants, here, it became a racial issue rather than an economic rice shortage issue. In other words, the heightened discrimination Chinese Filipinos faced in the early days of the pandemic was not new. COVID was a medical issue. It was a worldwide societal medical issue. It got compounded because you have legislators, you have government officials from all over the world blaming one country and saying that it was the fault of one people. You know, it, it became so generalized that it's China's fault without really tracking the historicity of the virus and all that, um, without really considering um, the problems that the medical science has behind it. Most recently, then-U.S. President Donald Trump played a big role in fanning the flames of this racism. He frequently called COVID-19 the Chinese virus and Kung flu, even as he downplayed the severity of the deadly virus. 
it diverted attention from the medical science to the racial problem. And then the racial problem took a life of its own. And then you started having Asian hate throughout the Western world. There were 3,796 anti-Asian hate incidents tallied across the U.S. by Stop AAPI Hate, a nonprofit group in the first year of the pandemic. Another study conducted by the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at California State University found that while hate crimes in America's largest cities decreased overall by 7% in 2020, the ones targeting Asians rose by almost 150%. Human hate is human hate. But when you add an ethnicity into it, Asian hate, hate against people of color, then it becomes... um, the hate is doubled in a way. It becomes more emphasized and it becomes heavier and more troublesome because you're specifically targeting a set of people. In the Philippines, things were a little different. Unlike Trump, then-President Rodrigo Duterte sought to strengthen ties with China. But that didn't spare the Chinese-Filipino community from discrimination when the pandemic hit. A study conducted by disinformation researcher Dr. Jonathan Corpus Ong in 2021 found that Filipinos on social media were among those spreading hate against people of Chinese descent. Ong also noted the use of racial slurs, refusal of service to mainland Chinese people, and even physical altercations at times. We'll pause here, but when we return, more on the pandemic's effect on the Chinese-Filipino community. Teka, teka! Before we continue, singit lang ako. Hi, I'm Kat Ventura, the executive producer of Teka, teka News. If you like learning about the lives of changemakers, I think you'll love another podcast we at Mua Podcast have produced. And which I host. The podcast is called Kasama sa Pagbabago, where we talk to 20 or 30-something-year-olds who are making significant changes in society. A new episode comes out every other Friday. Have a listen. Hi fam! Jose Rizal once said, Ang kabataan, ang pag-asa ng bayan. Pero sino nga ba itong mga youth change makers from our generation? Are you G to hear their stories? Ano kaya ang naging inspirasyon nila para magsimula ng pagbabago sa community nila? What challenges did they have to overcome? And what did they learn in the process? Na-realize namin na hindi naman pala natin kailangan maging sikat for us to become part of the community of changemakers. Kahit saan man mapunta, bit-bit sana talaga dapat natin yung mga karanasan para mas maging mabuting tao. Maging servant leaders tayo and yung change na pinapangarap natin ng para sa mga kapwa natin Pilipino at sa buong Pilipinas eh dapat na magsimula sa inyo. Mas makikilala pa natin sila dito sa Kasama sa Pagbabago, isang podcast kung saan inaalam natin kung ano-ano ang mga pagbabagong sinisimulan ng mga kabataan sa kanika nilang komunidad and why they believe that the youth is truly the hope of our nation. 
Ang Kasama sa Pagbabago ay isang podcast ng Youth Leadership for Democracy o Youthlet, a project of the Asia Foundation and the United States Agency for International Development, powered by Punga Podcast. So stay tuned, fam! A new episode drops every other Friday. Follow Kasama sa Pagbabago on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the episode. When I spoke to Mei Angsi in 2021, the tenor of our conversation was very different. Her community was being singled out in the most painful way. And she felt that the Duterte administration's pivot to China only made things worse. I cannot blame majority of the people if they generalize that oh, the Chinese are illegal, the Chinese are all into these um, gambling, the Chinese are into exerting their power, the Chinese wants to claim the Philippines. Ganyan. Mm. We can't blame the general public because the government has always had that stance. It's always extending their political hand to China, not protecting the sovereignty of our waters. And so yeah. when the general public um, just makes everything together, mm-hmm. can't really blame them. Throughout Duterte's term, polls repeatedly showed that distrust of the regional power remained high among Filipinos. He excused China's repeated incursions in the West Philippine Sea. He also continued to allow Philippine offshore gaming operators, or POGOs, in the country, against the advice of Beijing, who actually bans online gaming. Still, as Maya has repeatedly noted, these were political issues, and our society was making them racial. How does that happen? Do you remember that um, banner that was placed on an overpass, um, Welcome to the Province of China, right? So. That was alluding to the Duterte administration's pivot to China. So if you look at it more closely, this was a government-to-government relationship. But it was brought down to the regular person's consciousness because of that banner and the coverage of that banner. And so now it became, Hoy, I'm Filipino, but now my country is the province of China. So it now affected me on a personal level, because it was brought down to my level, and so the issues came out. The racial problems came out. If no, I'm thinking if if it were not brought to our level, you know, that affected our daily lives, or that affected our conception of who we are as people, as Filipinos, then chances are people would still be able to distinguish that this is a government issue. This is a world leader issue and does not affect me as a Filipino going about my day. But tensions seem to have cooled, largely because COVID-19 is now manageable. Maya also points to the many pogos that were shuttered by the pandemic, as well as probes conducted by Congress. So it's not because we found ways to address racism itself. Where does that leave Chinese Filipinos? 
racial issues, racial problems and tensions here in the Philippines come and go. I I don't think we're seeing in any country, I don't think we will see it disappear entirely. It will come and go. And if anyone is doing the work to fight racism in this country, it's Chinese Filipinos themselves. I just finished writing a paper on the the Chinoy participation in COVID efforts, COVID relief efforts. And people all the way, even in the provinces, they, they see it. I mean, small efforts. Small efforts of the hardware store owner, the Chinoy hardware store owner, who would um, who did not fire employees during the pandemic, no, who, who kept providing salaries even when the hardware was closed. Little things, very little things like that, when you put them all together, it has an effect in a particular community. Maya's organization is a prime example of this community's efforts. It was founded 35 years ago, in 1987. And after working for decades to integrate Chinese Filipinos into mainstream Philippine society, in 2007, they revisited their vision and mission. Our organization's name is Kaisa para sa kaunlaran. Kaisa for integration, that we are one people. And kaunlaran meaning the progress of the Philippines. So from 07 onwards, the organization has been focused on inviting and encouraging young Chinese Filipinos to volunteer or to work for toward nation building where um, think of what you do. You are in a position, um, admittedly, majority of the Chinese in the Philippines are middle class and upper middle class. And so we were saying, use your positions to move the country forward. And then you have a lot of younger Chinese Filipinos because we're citizens, because we're now Filipino citizens and we have we no longer have that barrier of citizenship problems. I'm seeing a lot of younger Chinois moving into social enterprises rather than just running their business as is. But just three years ago, parts of Philippine society turned against this minority, a community that's been with us for centuries. So I asked Mea, have they moved on? You know, the Chinoy community at the core is very pragmatic. So, with or without racial problems, it will just continue moving along. When there are racial problems, when we're being targets, keep your head down and plod along. Because, you know, we still have families to feed, employees to pay, um, services to offer, products to produce. I guess that's one of the things that we inherited from our grandparents, that very stoic pragmatism where, you know, whatever's happening out there, put your head down, continue working because, you know, whatever happens out there, these are still things that need to be done in terms of our own lives, right? And so that kind of helps the community move forward. And that was today's episode of Teka Teka News. Again, I'm Bella Perez Rubio. This episode was produced by Kat Ventura and edited by Pidoy Blanco. If you like this episode, share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to follow Teka Teka News and Puma Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. At para sa mga mahilig manood sa YouTube, Puma Podcast na rin po kami doon. Just search Puma Podcast and subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening.